Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. John chapter 15, starting verse 18, I'll read through 16. 15, this is continuing. Um, those of you who have been here, uh, been around regularly, know we've been working our way through John, and particularly through... Uh, what is sometimes called the Upper Room Discourse, uh, which John records as the things that Jesus said on the last night with his disciples. So this is the night that Jesus served them the Lord's Supper. This is the night that Jesus washed their feet. This is the night that later on when they went out, uh, he would be betrayed by Judas Iscariot and he would be arrested. And then the next night he would be, uh, next afternoon really, he would be put to death on the cross. So this is Jesus' last night with his disciples. And so these words are critically important and they're full of talk of him going away, full of words of comfort. Uh, Just last week, we saw that Jesus was the vine and we are the branches and what does it mean to abide in him? Before that, the week before that, we heard about the wonder of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would come and fill us with power, would fill us with knowledge of Jesus, would bring us into the very love of, God, of the Father for the Son, the Son for the Father, Father and the Son for the Spirit, that we are brought into that same love by the Holy Spirit. So we've heard lots of like hope and excitement, even though Jesus is going away. And so then what's coming today can come as a bit, as a bit of a shock, because Jesus now, as you can see up there, is going to start with, if the world hates you. So from words of excitement and, and fulfillment and power and abiding, we come to a dose of, you might say, a dose of reality. Um, and, and reality is important because reality is real. And so as you listen to these words of Jesus, I want you to listen and think, what is the reality that we need to embrace? And what is the hope that remains in the face of that reality? So I'm going to read Again, starting at John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin." But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, 
you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them, bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. We thank you that they were written down and preserved for us. That his words for them so many years ago would be his words for us today. Father, would you take these words as we reflect on them together, and by the power of that promised Holy Spirit, would you sink these words deep into our hearts, that they would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said, I do have some things in my bag here, but I don't have the thing that I most wanted to have, which was a big rock. And the reason I don't have it is because it's very difficult to bring a very big rock in a bag. Because I'm talking like a big, big rock. Let me ask you, kids especially, do you like big rocks? Do you like to climb on big rocks? Big rocks are pretty cool. You can climb on them, they can protect you, but they also don't move. That's the reason the big rock is not here. But you can imagine the big rock. And see, I'm also, I'm going, I'm going to West Virginia this afternoon uh, with my family. And one of the things we're gonna do in West Virginia is we're gonna go whitewater rafting. Now, how many people have been whitewater rafting? Whitewater rafting is a lot of fun, um, except, except Suzanne's, Suzanne's glaring at me now because she's had some negative experiences with me rafting. She can tell you all the stories later, including, including one right before we got married. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but in general, with appropriate guides, whitewater rafting is great fun. You're going down the river, you're moving, you're flying, you go through these big waves and everybody cheers and it's great fun. But do you know what rafting, what makes whitewater whitewater? What makes the river do that? It's rocks, right? It's big rocks and where they're placed in the river. And here's the thing. If you've got a big rock in the river, there's nothing you can do about that rock. All you can do is go with the rock. And if you follow around the rocks in the right way, you have a great ride. And having professional, well-trained guides really help you follow around the rocks in the right way. This was, this was my problem with, with me and Suzanne. We didn't have a guide. Uh, but that's, that's a, or we had a guide, it was me. Um, that's a whole nother story. But, um, but if, if you follow around the rocks, you can have a great ride. And the rocks can be a source of fun on the river, 
They can be a source of shelter in a, time, in a place of danger. They can shield you from the sun. If we're now not in a river, we're somewhere else. Rocks can do a lot of things for you. But you've got to go with the rock and not against the rock. If you try to go against the rock, you're just going to bounce off. Or you're going to get stuck underneath it. Or you're going to get flipped over. You don't, you, don't, you don't win against a rock. It just doesn't happen. And what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 15, fundamentally, with all the good, happy stuff about the vine and abiding with him and the coming of the Holy Spirit, is that fundamentally, Jesus has come to declare that God is a very, very large rock. And he will not be moved. And this is a picture that is, it's not explicitly said here that Jesus is a rock or that God is a rock, but it's one that is used plenty of other places throughout the Bible. Both the rock of comfort that you can build your house on, as the kids' coloring pages are today, that the wise man builds his house on the rock. But also, Jesus says very clearly that the rock that he is will crush those who are opposed to him. It is a, it is a warning as well that the rock of Jesus cannot be moved. And so the, the comfort and the challenge for us this morning is that God is a solid rock. And, what is, and that is calling us to cling to our connection to the rock. To cling to our, we are vitally connected to this solid rock that is God himself. The father who has planned, the son who has come to bring life to the world through his death and resurrection, to unite us to himself and the spirit that makes it all work together. God three in one is this solid rock. And we are vitally connected to that. All the things about vine and branches and the coming of the Holy Spirit, those are all true throughout here. There is no change in this. That hasn't gone away. But there is the challenge, the warning, that we don't control this rock. We don't oppose this rock. But the warning is that other people will oppose this rock. And if we are vitally connected to this rock, we will feel that opposition. So the good news for us here is that God is the rock and that he has connected us into himself and that we are completely safe and secure in that rock. But the challenge, the, the challenge here comes in verse 16:1, the, the fear, the concern. What is Jesus saying this for? Verse six, chapter 16, verse 1. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. I'm saying this so that the world, will, you will not be surprised. Verse 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hates you. 16, 4. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. See, the life of being connected to Jesus, the life of a Christian, is not easy. There is challenge, there is opposition, there is hardship. And we really struggle with that. We struggle with the idea that if we're doing everything right by following Jesus, that things could still be hard. And sometimes things are hard for different reasons. Sometimes it's that we are banging ourselves up against the rock and we are doing the wrong things. Sometimes we are going exactly with the rock. We're exactly where we're supposed to be, but it's still hard because the world is opposed to the rock. And more importantly, the ruler of this world. Verse 11, because the ruler of this world is judged, the ruler of this world. Jesus is talking about Satan, the enemy there. Satan is opposed to us. Satan is opposed to Jesus. 
So we have this opposition, we face that, and we struggle with it. And Jesus wants us to know that. He wants us to not be surprised when life is hard. He wants us to not be surprised when people do not like what we do or who we are or what we think or what we believe. He tells us to expect it. And if we expect it, we can be reminded that we're, we're on the right side here. And if we are clinging to the solid rock, we cannot be moved. But instead, we can take that ride through the rocks in the right way because God has us with him. So what are the specific things that we see here? Three specific things that Jesus is telling us as we cling to our connection to him. What this is going to look like. What gives us the confidence to keep clinging to him even in the face of persecution, even in the face of hardship. The first is simply to expect opposition. The second is to bear witness. And the third is to recognize reality. We expect opposition. We bear witness. We recognize reality. So first, we expect opposition. This is what he says. This is what he leads with. If, uh, verse 19, 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Why is this? Why in the world would anybody be opposed to Jesus? I mean, Jesus, Jesus is a pretty popular guy today, right? Everybody loves Jesus. You love your neighbor as yourself, serve others, put yourself there. We, you know, we've just been at camp. The I'm third motto, God first, others second, I'm third. Who could be opposed to that? What's wrong with that picture? Why, why would anybody be opposed to Jesus? Why would anybody be opposed to Jesus' people? Now, of course, there are times that Jesus' people failed to live up to being like Jesus, but that's not really what we're talking about here. That is a reality. But what we're talking about here is when Jesus' people are doing everything that he said and doing everything that they're supposed to, and yet there's still opposition. And I would offer that the reason that Jesus is so popular today with so many people is that he's not actually here. Because when Jesus was actually here, we know from the Bible that he was not very popular. Why wasn't he popular? He even says it. He says it. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. The reason that Jesus is not popular and the reason that his followers will not always be popular either is because the world at large, the world, and, and here we're talking about the world as it is, the world following its own ways, their sinful, our sinful bent ways, being led astray by Satan, by the father of lies. We don't, we, we, we do things wrong. People do things wrong and don't want to be told that. And even if we, as the followers of Jesus, even if we're not actively telling people that what they're doing is wrong, lives of righteousness will clearly demonstrate lives of unrighteousness. It's like I do have in my bag here, I have a flashlight, a very bright flashlight, right? And a bright flashlight is a great thing in the darkness to see unless there are people doing things in the darkness that don't want to be seen. And then a flashlight is a very scary thing. If somebody is not doing what is right, or even if you take this, if I walk into my house and it's dark, I say, ah, oh, it looks pretty good in here. And then I start shining the flashlight around here and I see a lot of dirt and a lot of dust 
Or in our house, we just see it in the middle of the day when all the light streams through the windows and we're like, oh, oh, it's dirty here. But that happens. That happens to us when the light is shined on us. We're like, I don't, I don't know that I really want anybody to see this light shine on me. I'm going to shine it that way so it's not going in anybody's eyes because um, that would hurt, right? Well, look at that. Now it's shining down there. We're just going to turn it off then. We'll just remember the flashlight like that. There we go. Um, so so we, if we are caught in sin, we don't want the light. And so if, if the people of Jesus, if the people of Christ, if the church is living in ways that demonstrate righteousness and justice, people who are opposed to that are not going to like it. Why, if we look back in our history, why was there such opposition to the civil rights movement? Why? Because they were declaring righteousness and justice and saying that things here are not right. Well, that people were comfortable with their injustice. People were comfortable with their advantages, with their privileges. It worked for them, for the people who were in power, for the people who had things going well. And so when the church comes along and says, this is not right, this needs to be different, there was, there was a lot of opposition. Because people, we are, we are people who are more comfortable in our sin than in righteousness and justice. So we expect opposition simply to our righteousness, simply by saying what is true and what is right. And so we cannot be surprised by that. Sometimes to declare the truth of Jesus, to live the way that he calls us to, sometimes it is very popular. Some people will love you for your acts of service, for what you do that is right, for your words of kindness, for your willingness to forgive, your willingness to sacrifice. Other people will feel the weight of their sin more and more. They will not appreciate it. They will not appreciate their own recognition of the sin, and they will appreciate it even less if you start meddling, if you start trying to change things where there is injustice. So if you do those things as Jesus is calling you, there will be opposition. And what does Jesus tell us? He says not to be surprised by that. So what can we do? All we can do is we cling to the rock. We cling to the rock of Jesus and we look to his word to say what is right, what is true. And that is what we are going to do. We are going to live as Jesus calls us to live. And if there is opposition, we say, well, Jesus was opposed to. And we will continue to trust in him. Because why? He's the big rock. And all the opposition we feel from the world, those are little rocks. Those are little waves in the river. And we can't let those shy, keep us away from clinging to the rock that protects us, to the rock to whom we are deeply connected. So the first thing is that we expect opposition. The second thing is that we bear witness. This is amazing. You remember how I said that all the things are true? All the things that he's talked about, about our, the Holy Spirit and vital connection and abiding in him. Look at verse 26, 1526. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Okay, great. So Jesus is going to go away. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to keep teaching the things that Jesus has been teaching. But check out 27. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is giving his disciples, he's giving the apostles, and by extension, he's giving his church and all of us who are his people, 
He is giving them the same mission as given to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will bear witness. The people of Jesus' body will bear witness. And so all this stuff about being, abiding in him, being connected to him, being drawn into the relationship and love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, it's right here still. We have the same mission. We are carrying out the mission of the Holy Spirit as we testify to what Jesus has done. This flashlight, what does Jesus say about his people? He said, shine your lights in the world. We are to shine our lights as witnesses to him, to testify to what he has done, to say what he has done in the world, to tell people, to say, look, Jesus came. Jesus came to declare truth and call all people to follow him. And you're not going to be able to do it. Yes, I know that it's hard to hear the righteous words of Jesus because you're a sinful person. I'm a sinful person too. But the difference is that I am forgiven. That I know that Jesus has forgiven my sins. That when Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross, he paid the price for my sins for all time. So that my sins could be forgiven and your sins could be forgiven. And when we know that our sins have been forgiven, then we no longer feel that guilt and shame. And if you're saying, I, I thought my sins were forgiven, I thought I put, I've trusted in Jesus, but I still feel guilt and shame, come back to it again. Come back to refresh yourself again. The more deeply you know that your sins have been forgiven, the less you feel the guilt and shame, the less you feel the opposition of the world. Because if Jesus died for you, nothing can touch you. Nobody can make you feel ultimately guilty again because Jesus has forgiven you. And that is the most important thing. What can you do? What witness can you bear with a life that is truly free in him where you no longer are bound by the guilt of your sin, where you can be freed to go and serve and give and sacrifice, to give of your time, to give of your money, to pour out your very life in every possible way for others, knowing that when you do wrong, when your sin catches up with you and knocks you down, you're forgiven. It cannot knock you down ultimately. And so you bear witness to Jesus. You are a light in the world, testifying to his goodness and grace in your life. Will that lead to opposition? Absolutely. Because the, the step of receiving that, you say, it's great. It's great to have the confidence and freedom in Jesus, but you have to be willing first to admit that you're sinful. And that's a step that Satan does not want people to take. And so that's a very hard step for us to take to say, yes, I'm sinful. I'm wrong. I have done wrong. I need Jesus' help. But once you take that step and admit your sin and receive the forgiveness and freedom in Jesus, then there is glory. Then there is hope. Is it easy? No. But there is hope and healing and freedom in him. He said that Satan is telling you not to admit your sin. Because the final piece here of clinging to our connection, clinging to that solid rock, is to recognize reality. This is what it says in verse, in verse 11. I read earlier, 1611. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Satan is at work in this world. When John says that the world is opposed to Jesus, when Jesus says the world hates me, it's because the ruler of the world, the temporary ruler of the world, is trying to deceive people and turn them away from the things of God. 
And so if we recognize that our true enemy is Satan, when you say the world is opposed to us, it is not our friends who may sneer at us. It is not our coworkers who are skeptical of our commitment to doing what is right, even when it's not good for us, even when it's not good for the company. They are not our true enemies. Our enemy is Satan, the one who has been opposed to God from the beginning. And when we recognize that reality, when we put on those spiritual glasses to see what is truly at work, we see not only that Satan is the one behind the opposition, but we see that Satan is defeated. There's a beautiful story in the Old Testament uh, with the prophet, I think it's the prophet Elijah, but it may be Elisha, I'm forgetting now. One of, one of those two prophets with very similar names. And there's an, I think, it was, I think it was Elisha actually. There's an army around them and his servant is with him and says, what are we gonna do? And the prophet says, well, those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And the servant's like, I'm not seeing anybody. And then he prays and he says, Lord, open his eyes. And he opens his eyes and he sees all the chariots and horsemen of the Lord's army surrounding them. And that is the spiritual reality that Jesus wants us to see, that the Holy Spirit comes and bears witness to in our hearts, that says God is all around us. So even as we see the reality that Satan, the temporary ruler of this world, is deceiving people and telling us not to admit our sin, and telling us not to put others first, telling us to look out for ourselves, telling us to maintain our power, to not worry about justice and righteousness. We see that Satan is defeated. We see that Jesus' death on the cross was not a failure, but a victory. And we see that if we recognize that reality, we know that nothing can stop us. And that even when we feel the hardship of this world, even we feel the opposition, we are clinging to the solid rock of God, the solid rock that cannot be moved. And so all the bumps we feel along the way, those are the ripples, those are the waves as we raft down this river of life, as we guide our way, aligning our lives to the rock that is Jesus. I would never tell you that following Jesus is the easy way. It's not easy. But I will tell you that following Jesus is the only it is the only way that you can truly go. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Holy Spirit, would you be more and more present with us each day that we may know the truth, that we may feel the freedom and forgiveness offered in Jesus, that we recognize the reality that you have the ultimate victory over sin, ultimate victory over Satan, ultimate victory over death itself. May we live in that hope and confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.